Hi everyone, this is Asiela Altaeva, and welcome to another episode of the FEMES Finance Podcast, where we explore the journeys of successful female leaders, founders, and investors from across the globe. We aim to champion women leaders from diverse sectors and industries in order to inspire you in your journey to financial freedom and career success. Thank you for listening to the FEMES Finance Podcast. Today, we are super excited to be joined by Tahi Kim, who is the founder and president of International Business Initiation at Yonsei University in Seoul, South Korea. In the following episode, we'll dive into Tahi's journey of founding IBI, overcoming challenges, and picking up some awesome life hacks for consistency and discipline. Plus, we're getting into journaling, personal management tricks, and a bunch of other cool topics to help you stay ahead of the game. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I do. Happy listening time. Hi, Tahi. Thank you so much for joining us today. But before we start the episode, can you please briefly introduce yourself and your vision? Hi everyone, my name is Tohi Kim. I was born and raised in Japan, but I am a Korean national and currently I am studying political science and international studies at Yonsei University in Seoul, South Korea. I have been running an international student organization called International Business Initiation as a founder and a president. My vision is that I want to provide one thought whatever help or whatever that is being sought among other people i want to be able to provide and the reason being i love bringing out the biggest potential out of people i I know that every single one that i see everyone in this world basically they have some sort of talent or something that's hidden inside them and I i love the idea that i can contribute to bringing that out and basically unlocking the full potential this is this is really amazing, mm-hmm. and actually, this is how I I see you working with international business initiation. So, for those of you who don't know, um, can you please introduce what is this project about? What is the aim? What is the purpose of the initiative that you've started very recently? Sure. So, IBI was just started in January this year, so it's only been like eleven months, less than a year, and. What it does is it's basically a student's club that's affiliated to Yonsei University, but I personally think it's something bigger than just a regular club. And we provide a variety of career development programs. Currently, we have two programs going on. One is called Personal Development Program. So students come in, they make a team that's specifically focused on an industry that they want to work in in the future. So it could be project management, marketing, finance, data analysis, etc. So once they form a team, they come up with their own project. It could be either just developing their skills through Coursera courses, or they, they conduct an industry research or a case study. And it all depends on each team, but eventually they can use that as a portfolio when they're applying for a company after the semester. And the second program is called Startup and IBI Matching Program, or in short, it's called SIM. And this one, we gathered uh, international students in Korea, and we matched them with international startups for a semester-long internship. And what's different about this program from all the other potential competitors is that the students are only supposed to work seven to nine hours a week, which means even if you're taking, for example, six classes, which is the average amount of classes people take in Korea, they still have time 
to commit themselves into this internship. And another thing is 80% of our participants are non-Korean. Most of them cannot speak Korean. And in Korea, it's really hard to get a job, especially if you have this language barrier. And so I think we've done a pretty good job this semester, given that it was our first project. And we successfully matched 37 students with 20 startups in Korea. I didn't think that this is going to get this big, to be honest. For example, right now, with two programs and the executive members included, there are about 70 people in IBI. And initially, I posted just a small note that said, hey, I want to attend international case competitions. You know, is someone interested in working this <laughs> with me? And I, I posted that on the community dashboard in my university. And I think within like 30 minutes, I received like 13, 15 something messages. I, I was like, wait, what's going on? So yeah, I was like, okay, maybe there might be a lot more people than I expected who's, you know, interested in this kind of stuff. Because I initially expected only three to four people to reach out to me. And so I made a group chat and we had our first Zoom meeting. Everyone seemed to be very excited about this. Uh, there were two girls that wanted to start a club. Uh, there were a few other girls that just wanted to do something. We name ourselves as IBI. We didn't think it's going to be a club. And we thought, hey, why not? Like, why don't we recruit more people? And then we opened the recruitment for less than five days. I think we opened it for three days and then two more days for just another occasion and 30 people applied. And and so by May, we were the official club in Yonsei University. Yeah. Inspiring. And it actually reminds me of how big companies that we know today, like Meta and some other companies have been created. They just started as a social network inside university, but now it's a multi-billion dollar company that everyone uses, that everyone benefits <laughs> from. And yeah, none of the big companies and big projects and big changes have started big. They usually started very small, very specific. And as an international student, I totally relate with the problem. It's really hard to find internships. and It's really hard to find the job in Korea, even though you know Korean language. So you don't know how much impactful project you've created. And I'm very proud of the work that you've, you're doing. So my next question is about how do you maintain consistency and discipline? I, I really enjoy reading your posts on LinkedIn that you started very recently and mm -hmm. on the, one of the recent posts you wrote about David Goggins. And mm -hmm. I have a book. <laughs> Wait a second. Where is the book? Oh, you do? Oh, I, my God. Like, can't hurt me. Have you heard about this book? Uh, I don't think. No, I didn't know he wrote books. I only know him through podcasts and like, uh, you know, YouTube videos. He, when I was reading your post, it really reminded me of the book. And it's also very funny because uh, all the people who are very close to me and people oh. that I want to be friends with <laughs> have either read the book by David Goggins uh -huh. or listened to the podcast. Or have heard of it. Yeah. I get connected with those people very easily, maybe because we're like living through the, this principle, yeah. like discipline, yeah. consistency. So yeah, I really yeah. want to ask you this question about how do you maintain consistency and discipline in your work and your studies? And like, how do you push yourself through your limits? Yeah, sure. Of course. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned because I feel like, you know, similar minds <laughs> find each other because I, I realized like all the people that I also get super inspired by somehow they know all these like people that I also look up to. 
how do I maintain consistency? I think, to be honest, to be very honest, I think a lot of my friends from high school or even from university that know me, they they probably wouldn't pick consistency as <laughs> as a word to de define me just because I was the complete opposite for most of my life. And uh, I don't think things were very stable growing up. I, I realized that among all those ups and downs I had, I always knew what I wanted to do. And so IBI isn't actually the first thing I committed to or I started before I founded two MUN platforms. So MUN stands for Model United Nations. It's like a student competition that mocks the General Assembly of the UN. So I just wanted to make like a platform that helps students to gain experience through extracurriculars during the pandemic. And doing that, if I'm inconsistent with like my sleep pattern or inconsistent with like my communication, my personality, et cetera, it's really hard to manage like a big chunk of people. And so when there's a feedback coming back from that specific project, it's like, it does change me a lot. And so three years of managing projects, it does give me the realization that, hey, I have to change something. So it's only been like six weeks since I started this, but I've been waking up at 4 a.m., and that's very intense. I know. Sometimes I go to bed at like 2 a.m. and I wake up at, at 4. I, I actually only had like three hours of sleep last night as well. But the reason why I do this is because one, when I try to be consistent, when I try to find balance in my life, it's not always about time. Consistency comes from myself, how I face myself and how I communicate my, with myself and where my focus is at, where my value is. And knowing that and uh, being consistent with myself, that was, I think, the fundamental change I had to make. And for me to do that, if I wake up at like 6 or 7, then a lot of the times I have meeting as early as 8 a.m. for my projects. And so I don't have enough time to like figure out what I want to do for the day. It's like it's all <laughs> crowded up there. I feel like that was one of the reasons that made me lose control of myself, not get distracted of my focus and what what I wanted in a long term. I think that's the one thing that could keep me consistent and for me to keep on reminding me that waking up early and journaling and like meditating and sometimes going out for a run, like those kind of activities really helped me to realize that no matter what happens in a day, like no matter something that would have affected me greatly in the past, like if I can trust myself and if I can kind of organize my thoughts every morning and truly face myself, then those external things cannot possibly affect me. And so having this control, I I, I feel like hopefully my teammates agree as well, but I, I think I made a lot of improvements in in my project as well and in the way I deal with my teammates because I don't feel chased by all the things that I have to do and I don't feel influenced by all the external things that would have made me go up and down before and I'm really proud that I made this change but in the process I, I do want to credit one book it's called 12 Power Principles for Success by Bob Proctor it's like, it's an amazing book. It's it's really, truly, truly amazing book. 
And what the book told me is that you really want want. It, it shouldn't be something that the society tells you is a su success or something that would make you like temporarily proud because that's what your parents want or that's what your friends want. But it has to be really something that you want. And for me, it's so funny, but I think the reason why I fixate so much on waking up early, like that action itself is because all my friends will, will probably know me as this girl who's always late to school. I, I, can, I cannot help it. It's I think ever since in elementary school, I was quite often late to school. And so that kind of stuck with me as like a, a little bit of insecurity. And I think that's something that might have truly affected me to say, hey, like, I don't I don't want to go through that again. Like, I don't want to feel insecure over this small thing. And so why don't I just make that into my strength? And so that's something that might have affected me to keep this routine. But overall, I, I think like receiving the feedback from my project teammates and wanting to become a better leader for them, that's also one of my wants, strong wants. And that's that's what's keeping me consistent. Let's talk about <laughs> leadership experience as you said it's your first time managing a number of people and i just wanted to know what was your biggest insight once you started managing this project actually when we were recruiting uh students for this internship program i actually got a lot of bad feedbacks as well like some of the group chats i would promote it and people are like no way I'm going to do unpaid internship. What are you guys doing? This is so stupid. Like there were a lot of unpleasant comments as well, but the people who choose IBI, the people who choose this initiative to begin with, they have their own reasoning. And so all I have to do is just keep on reminding them why they join in the beginning, because I feel like all the answers, all the incentives, it's all different for each person. They have their own reasons. Whenever I get a chance, whenever I'm mentoring them or in like orientation or just like networking events, whenever I see them, it's like I, I, I think all I have to do is just remind them why they started it. And I ask them a lot of questions like, hey, like, why did you start or what are you trying to achieve? Because I feel like that just keeps them on their own track they, and that allows them to focus on their own thing. But I as a leader, for me to be able to do that, I think I have to engage upon those practices myself, meaning I, I constantly have to remind myself why I started this. And it, it's a constant journey of self-exploration and brainstorming what you want in the long run, like what your focus is. And so, and yeah, engaging upon that, it does give me a lot of assurance that, oh, I think this is the right direction because it, things just get better and better. Like the more focused you are, you start attracting right people, right opportunities. And once I figure that out, I think it's easier for me to tell that to other students as well. I, I think this applies to all the leaders, but they're not just a leader for that community. I feel like as a leader, that a leader has to be someone that other people get inspired from. It doesn't always have to be academics or just some sort of specific skill. It could be something about their personal. It could be something about their work ethic. Like there's so many spectrum to this, but whatever it is, I feel like leader can be the one that tries out that that goes through all those challenges beforehand, so that they they know what it's like, and maybe they could give one more you know practical advice to the members. Yeah, I think constantly challenging myself is my duty. Is yeah, I think I think that's the biggest lesson I'm learning 
that's amazing and as you said we have to lead by example if yeah, it's not exactly. about show, uh, shouting to the world like oh you have to do this uh, you must be disciplined you must be consistent you actually have to do it by yourself and just by being yourself and doing all those work people will get inspired so this is a very important lesson and I'm very happy that you shared in this episode today so I think maybe high school or undergraduate students are listening to this episode today they also want to start a club or they also want to make a local change in their community they maybe they're afraid to start what kind of advice can you give to those people who are adopting themselves right now but they deep inside they do have a desire to make a change mm-hmm. thank you for a great question i would say two things work on enhancing two skills which are number one networking and number two rebounding skill so networking as in i think it's quite self-explanatory but when you need help when you don't know something don't deal with the question yourself go talk to as many people as possible obviously if you you can't talk to people that are not relevant but use your connection use social media use whatever you can to find the right people to ask the right questions to and just reach out to them and it it doesn't hurt right because the worst thing they can say is no and also because if you think about it when you want to make a change you're dealing with people and so it's I, I think it cannot go wrong by interacting with more people right and and gathering insights so that's number one and number two rebounding skill what I mean by that is when you are a change maker and you're not going through the typical path, you're not just doing what other people are telling you to do. It means that you're trying to change someone's perspective and you're going to face a lot of criticism. You're going to face quite a lot of you know obstacles along the way, but you need to be able to rebound, like bounce back as quickly as possible because I've also had so many people kind of not believing in what I'm trying to do or just tossing me with negative or just unnecessary comments and I used to be affected by them a lot and I I believe you will be too especially if you're a student because you're just starting to make changes but it's I think it's also a matter of just practice because you're going to be let down and you're going to bounce back. and But the first bounce is going to take forever. But you just got to trust the process and try again. You're going to be let down again. But just keep trying until those things actually don't get to your head. And so that practice itself, if you start having a pride in that and, and the fact that you can rebound whenever, that's that's the most powerful thing that's helping me so far. Because I know like whenever I, I've experienced something negative, I know that when I bounce back, I bounce back hard. And so there are things that you can actually trust in the process. When you're struggling, when you're going down a pleasant experience, you're actually growing stronger. So just trust the process and also believe in the practice of rebounding. I'm so surprised. Actually, it reminded me of uh, the quote by Aristotle. It says like, there is only one way to avoid criticism. It's do nothing, say nothing, and be yeah. nothing. Whatever you try to do something, you always receive a sort of a criticism or bad feedback. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to say, oh, I don't listen to criticism, but it actually psychologically really impacts people. And mm-hmm. 
because you mentioned and you said that you are learning about this bouncing back, I want to ask you, how do you deal with this criticism or some negative comment towards you or the project that you are doing? Maybe find a seed in this mm -hmm. negative comment and use it to your benefit. Sure. I think temporary fix is what probably a lot of people have already tried watching like motivational videos. <laughs> I mean, they help, right? <laughs> like listening to music and just getting hyped up. That's a temporary fix. But I think in a long term, I'm not sure if this will work for other people. But in my case, I do it again until it, it exhausts me, whether it's like a community, whether it's a project, whatever it is, I keep getting negative influence by them. I get like all the negative comments, but I, I stay as long as I can. One day, you're not even going to think, oh, like, should I should I quit? Should I not? Should I stop doing this? Should I stop? Because there are some things that it may be actually your fault. You may be the one who's who's in the wrong and you're doing something and that's why you're getting all the criticism. But like, you don't know until like, you keep on doing it until one moment you realize, oh, shit, like I, I have to change something at that point. It's it's not your brain thinking. It's it's like your body reacting. I don't know if this is healthy though. <laughs> that, but that's at least what I do because when I don't exhaust myself enough, uh, I'll probably think, hey, like, but what if things could have gone better? What what if things could have gone in a different way? And so I could go back to that specific habit or specific item, you know, project, whatever. But if I stick to it long enough, I'll probably know by the time I stop engaging with bad comments that it's it's really unnecessary because if you keep doing it uh, there are two ways to go about it one way is you realize that it was actually only those few people that had the problem with it and in the long term there were actually people that start appreciating it and so you realize that it's it might have not been like entirely your fault and, and the second way is maybe you are actually in the wrong and you just keep on doing it and you just every time like the feedback gets worse and worse and you start crying I'm like oh oh my god like maybe I am the uh, you know I am the problem it's, sooner or later I think you will be able to realize what's true and what's something worth continuing what's something that's not yeah that's that's right you, you should not let the first criticism to make you like totally quit the project that you're doing you have to do it long enough to get more feedback to get more insights from the project and if it's going really well at the end of the day you're gonna get some positive feedback or some positive reaction from people from the community if not then mm -hmm. probably you have to uh, find some other directions and yeah. another Another thing that I want to ask from you, I think we both can relate as an international student studying in South Korea, that oh. the whole education system and maybe the society focus on competition. And right. sometimes if you're not being as competitive as they are, you start feeling sort of behind or maybe you start feeling like you're not doing the right thing. How do you deal with this competition? Like, what is your view about having this competitive environment? Yeah. I do feel the toxicity of competition because I, you know, it's not always about competition, but somehow it got to me. And in that process, I think the way I came out of that state is just focusing on what kind of value I provide and like just focusing on like my environment, because at the end of the day, you're in an institution, you're, you have all these network, you have all these opportunities, you're in a completely different situation. 
we're talking about students that are in the same university, same age, same whatever. So it's like, it's hard to differentiate, but still like everyone's different. Like there's so many different experiences that you can leverage upon. There are different kind of connections. There are different kind of people around you. So every person's environment is actually different. And I realized that using my environment, what could be number one thing that I can do the best given my situation? And I think that's the answer. Like, sure, like you might still feel the edge everyone's doing amazing and i'm left behind okay like that's that's fine that that's like such a normal response but at the same time what you can do in the meantime is okay looking at my environment my surrounding what are the things that you can take chance on like what are the things that you can take advantage of and for me i think my strength is that i i do have a lot more open mind i i have a global international background and so there's something um, I can do probably someone who grew up in Korea may not be able to do. And given my nationality and like my language abilities, there there are things that I can contribute to people around me. Just looking at your surroundings, see what you can do, see what you can do the best given your background and your skills, and just genuinely just focus on that. I, I think that's that's the number one thing you can easily forget about your competition because yeah, at the end of the day, you don't have a competition. It's all about just you and yourself and like what you're going to do with your time because everyone gets the same 24 hours. So it's it's all about you and yourself. That's such a perfect answer. Oh my God, I really love it. Thank you so much for providing such a great response that we all have to leverage our strengths. And instead of like comparing ourselves to others, we just really have to say, what is the biggest strength that I have that other people don't and how can I mm. use it? How can I use my background? How can I use my experiences to benefit the world and to provide something that mm -hmm. other people cannot provide? This is amazing as a response, really. Thank um, you so much. I, I'm very amazed by how you think. So maybe I can ask a question about your favorite books. I, I've been obsessed with books these days, that's for sure. And I, I think I already made a post about it, but Tim Grover's, you know, Relentless. That book is amazing. What I loved about that book out of a few others is that, oh, like actually we were just talking about it, but you have no competition and mm -hmm. you already know what you want to do. Yeah, I think that's that's the one quote that stuck with me. When you think you're lost, when you feel like you have no clue what's going on, like actually you do, apparently. And you just have to focus on what your gut feeling is telling you to do. I think the books wise... When I first started engaging with just reading books, I watched a lot of YouTube videos about how to read books because it's all about choosing the right book, but also whether how well do you remember the content. And so I, I think I try to like engage with the book to an extent where I'm almost trying to investigate the author. I check out all their podcasts, all their YouTube videos after I finish or while I'm reading a book. And so I think a lot of the quotes that they say, they're all amazing. Half of my thought process, maybe it, it comes from them. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think that's why, because I engage with each and every book so deeply, that's probably why I remember a lot of good things about them and it, it did change me positively. That's very interesting. So you focus more on the quality of the information that you get from the book. Actually, you, you know, the thing that I noticed about books is like, people are very smart, but they fail to actually use that knowledge and mm -hmm. put it in action. It's not just about reading, but like understanding those principles and actually applying to your life. Do you have any practices or like advice for people to know? Mm -hmm. 
I have to think about this one because I don't take things for granted a lot. One thing I'm, I can confidently say is that I'm pretty good at coming up with ideas just in general. So whenever I'm reading a book, uh, sometimes it's really hard to read it in one standing because I, I read it and then I get like a bunch of ideas. So I have to like write it down somewhere. After I get some sort of idea, I, I can't continue reading it. And so it takes time for me to finish a book. So if I ever make it to the end of the book in like two, three days, it means like I was actually reading it the whole day. <laughs> so one thing you could do if you're not great at coming up with ideas, you could force that practice upon yourself. So you read like five pages and you stop and you write down all the action points that you can do. For example, I think one very memorable book that I picked up on, I don't remember the title to be honest, but it was a book about Mark Zuckerberg. And I think five minutes into reading, I was like, oh my God, I want to start something. And then next week, I, I think I opened up a student website where students can share academic tips. I, I cannot possibly go on with the book after I get like a great idea and just, I, I have to act upon it. And so, as I said, yeah, if, if you're not that kind of person, I understand you should force that to yourself write down all the things that you can do and just start with something that that seems like the most approachable way but i along the way you should have fun when you're taking action you have to know that oh when you actually do it there's fun that's waiting for you at the end and then that experience is going to keep you develop the skill of taking information in and then like acting upon it immediately and you also mentioned about podcasts. I, I think with books, it's very different. Like you have time to think, you have time to write it down. And oh, yeah. if you don't understand something, you can go back and reread it again. But when it comes to podcast episodes, it's usually very different. You don't have this chance of like going back and reading it, like listening it to several times. Sometimes you hear something and you say, oh, this is so brilliant. This is so smart. But after some time, you actually forget it. So when you listen to those podcast episodes, how do you derive the knowledge that you can put it into action? How do you learn from podcast episodes in general? Right. This has been like quite helpful for me unnoticingly, but when it comes to mental health, I know it's it's a, like a little bit off topic, but it's actually connected because if you want to maintain a healthy mental state, your input and output has to be equal amount. A lot of people get depressed because like, you like consume so much information from social media and you just feel super lazy because you haven't done anything even though it's only been like 10 minutes and so you don't do anything or uh, it could be other way like some people overwork themselves and it's never none of those like taking in the energy from anywhere and then they get drained right and so I, I know this because my graduation research in high school, because we were all required to research on something, I studied about identity crisis among youth and like how to fix that. I, I realized that after one year of looking into a lot of like papers and, and whatnot, your input and output has to be somewhat equal for you to maintain a healthy mentality. Mental health is very important. So I've been always doing that. And so even when I'm reading a book or like listening to podcasts, I hear an information, I always make sure there's some sort of output out of that. Even when, for example, like I was running the other day and I was listening to this uh, podcast episode between Ali Abdal and Stephen Barlett, two amazing podcast hosts. And I, uh, Stephen, he said something about, you know, why do you think there are so many time management techniques out there? There's hundreds and thousands. So why do you think that? Because if one technique worked, then no one else would have made another one. 
the reason why there's so many is because it's not the problem of time management. It's about discipline. Because if you don't, you lack discipline, that you blame your management skill. But if if you really have to focus, if you really wanted to do something, then time management won't be a thing. It's it's time is gonna match your discipline. And so it's all about discipline management, not time management. And that's why so many people fail. And so that really stuck with me. And like, what I did was like, I just like stopped the episode. I was just like, I stopped running. And I was like, okay, I need to take this in. <laughs> like, I really need to take this in. And and then, I don't know, like sometimes I like record myself explaining the the thing that I just heard or I just keep that to myself. I don't I don't let any more information come into my brain until I get home. I write it down somewhere. For me, initially, the reason why I did that is because I would always get overwhelmed with like any sort of information coming at me. I was like, oh, this is so many information. One of the reasons why I don't like studying because it's it's always about like input and not much output, right? Mm-hmm. So I get overwhelmed quite easily. And so that's why I've been forcing myself to always take time whenever I'm doing too much output or too much input. I always pause myself in between and balance it out because I didn't want to get overwhelmed, but in a long term, I think it did help me in that way because I take in every single information really carefully and you do have narrow window and you're not listening to the entire podcast sometimes, but if you can take away that one thing and it just sticks with you for a long time, I feel like that's more valuable than just like listening through the entire podcast and like listening to different podcasts every day. Like you're going to forget about everything. So yeah, in a way, I guess so. Like I, I do prioritize quality over quantity when it comes to information okay <laughs> maybe we should stop <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's think about yeah. <laughs> one oh, good. oh my god the thing is I actually have the same idea while going to my classes and I listen to the episode and if I find that this episode is really cool on Saturday or, or Sunday I just go and like sit with my laptop I put the podcast and I start uh-huh. writing down so I start re-listening again to the whole episode uh-huh. and if the podcast is bad I'm just like this is not worth yeah, taking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually if, if we continue I think we can stay up until like 4 a.m honestly I'm down but <laughs> yeah I wanted to ask about journaling yeah because you mentioned about it what is journaling for you and like do you ask uh, the same set of questions every day or like do you change your questions what is the process of like self-discovery for you Mm, journaling yeah to answer the first question I don't ask the same sets of questions but I do use the same logic which is where are you stuck with like I start with my emotion usually because I'm more a emotion oriented person Although, yeah, I, I do get a lot of comments that like I, I sound very logical because <laughs> whatever I'm feeling, a lot of the times it's confusion because mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm not in the best mood. And I'm like, Tohi, what's up? <laughs> I mean, why are you mad, yourself. dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you're talking to yourself in the journaling. Yeah, like- I mean, I think like the questions come from my brain and then I just write, write down the answers. But to myself, before I start writing, I'm just like, what where is this attitude coming from dude like what <laughs> why are you so upset today <laughs> and then yeah and then I just like start writing down all my emotions first and after I feel like I've written down all my emotions I try to figure out the cause of each emotion I think the second question is is more important for sure my self-discovery journey through journaling 
is when you're writing this down oh my god like I really don't want to journal because you're already overwhelmed you know you're you're already like pissed at something or you're already like overwhelmed with like some sort of joy like whatever emotion you're feeling I'm so busy processing this why do I have to write it out right it's, it's so annoying every time and I just have to like tell myself okay it's worth it it's worth it like I, I just have to like, convince myself to keep journaling because the first five minutes it's like the hardest and when I'm writing down I feel so much better by the time I finish my whole page I'm like why was I stressed <laughs> I, I I yeah I figure out everything and it's so amazing this is very interesting because I also I also think like journaling is very much important because it helps you to put your thoughts into paper and when everything is in your head you get overwhelmed but once you put it on paper and you start reading it you start seeing connections and you can see the problem and it makes it easier to solve it the book I'm reading right now it's called how to stop worrying and start living so from the book by Dale Carnegie he said that once you accept the worst case scenario of whatever might happen it's all right you might have screwed up big time but like you're not going to prison if you are then you at least you're not dying <laughs> they're oh. like <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, there are uh, okay like you have to face the consequences because you've done it even if it was a mistake but once you accept the worst case scenario and come to peace with it the last step is okay even if you're okay with the worst case scenario, how can you improve this situation so that you don't possibly face that consequence? And so that that's also helping me a lot when I'm journaling. Because as you said, when you put it in words, it's not as serious as you thought. Maybe you just need to come to terms with what might happen. Because it could happen. It's not, you can't deny that. But just facing that word to word, just putting that into a sentence and just be like, okay, this can be my future accept it and then you just have to move on that's interesting the thing is about notes i'm not sure if it's a good idea or not i just want to ask from your own way of doing it some people mm -hmm. just write like they ask a question and they answer it and they close a chapter like they never look back to their notes and they never read it back are you this type of person or you try to come back to your journal do you reread the, your notes and your answers Apparently I do. And the reason I, I say apparently is because last year there have been some tough times, but I wasn't as engaged in journaling as I was. So there were only like few notes that I could collect um, from my notebook. Coming into this year, I decided to break that very toxic habit that I had all throughout last year. And it's so hard to break it. And I wanted to go back so many times, but the one thing that helped me stop myself was reading those notes because every time I felt miserable just reading that oh my god like I'm heartbroken just by reading what I wrote at that mm -hmm. time when you write it down you're writing a guide for your future self mm -hmm. whatever you're going through it may be something that you're doing right or something that you're doing wrong and putting emotion into it and like what you're feeling right there and then your future self, at some point, they're going to look back because they're curious if, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm curious. I want to redo it because that's what I'm used to. And I read the note. I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm never doing that again. I cannot express how grateful I am to my past self because uh, at some point she was at the lowest point and I managed to type this out. Mm. And like, it, it was about like three pages long, but I managed to type it out. And I just, I, I forgot about it for a long time. 
And then at some point this year, I want to go back and I read it. I was like, oh my God, I'm so thankful that I, I wrote this. And so I think that's that's why I value journaling so much. You might not be just casually going through your past notes. I mean, who does that? I mean, like, uh, maybe, maybe if you're curious, but then that's the point. Like, you have to have the reason to go back to them. But when you do have the reason, they're going to save you big time. I think that's what I learned recently. That is very insightful. And it reminded me of one episode that I was listening. It's by Margolan Sisyambay. He's like a very successful businessman from Kazakhstan. Okay. He was talking about journaling and he said that every experience that you go through once you start writing it down as a letter to your future self you start giving it as an advice to your future self like do this don't do that you have felt this way you have to avoid this so you basically start giving yourself advice because as you said you're gonna go back and read it mm -hmm. you want to get something from there mm -hmm. uh, so this is very insightful is there like mm -hmm. any areas that you are very interested in right now out of your study, out of your major? Mm -hmm. I would say my current assignment is learning how to refocus yourself. I think it's it's more about project management. Let's put it that way, because mm -hmm. there are a few occupations, few roles or a few titles you hold in your life. And in order to maintain all of them, it's it's like each and every role is like a project you're given that specific something and you have to make sure that it happens you're working with multiple projects and you're learning how to manage them so it, it works quite well to myself and when I have to actually manage a project within IBI or within like some of my business because I'm practicing it on myself first it's like okay, you have multiple projects going on. How are you going to delegate to Wednesday Tohi, Thursday Tohi? <laughs> like, wow. I'm like setting myself as like a, like, like a teammate and just uh -huh. like kind of delegating my tasks, setting up deadlines, making sure things don't get out of hand. Honestly, that that's what I've been doing recently. Like just watching a bunch of videos about like project management, especially managing multiple projects. Yeah. <laughs> What, what what do you do to Tuesday Tahi if she doesn't do certain tasks? That's a thing. Like after I start seeing them as like a separate, different person, I get to react to it quite objectively. If I feel like I'm the one canceling something or I'm the one who's like asking for extension of the deadline, I feel like self-conscious. I feel bad that I couldn't make it on time. Because when you have multiple things going on, let's say like something as simple as friends and family or like family and you or you like your physical health, mental health, like there's so many projects around you just because you are doing in one thing great doesn't mean that like you're surviving in others so you have to make sure like you're balancing out the entire thing and when you see that big picture it's not that hard to say for example going to a professor and say hey like I need an extension or going to a teammate and say hey like I don't think in two weeks like I'll be able to do this when I told you guys to can we find another way to achieve this goal without like without the previous arrangement I get to be more frank about myself because I'm doing it for myself for me too you know be proud of what I'm doing I don't want to be stressed in the process so everything matters like all my projects matter and for all of them to succeed I need to delegate I need to uh, work ahead of time I need to make sure that make sure to adjust sometimes and so it's been helpful to think that way <laughs> if, if Tuesday Tohi doesn't do her work then I, I try not to make that happen beforehand or acknowledge my own emotion and say hey like 
on Monday, I'm so tired. There's a good chance that I'm not going to do anything tomorrow. So why don't I start the day a bit earlier or like wake up and then just like not do anything for about three hours, just focus on myself and then move on. I always try to see myself from the objective point of view. Mm, I see. That's very yeah. interesting. <laughs> That's actually a very interesting approach. Maybe I should I should yeah. try that. So I think we can finish our episode. Maybe we can get last advice that you want to everyone remember. I know this quote because I was getting ready for a, a workshop recently. So the quote is, the moment you start focusing on yourself, things start falling into place. Hmm. I love it. I really love it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like, it's your life. If you're not happy with yourself, there's honestly, whatever you do, doesn't really matter. And so focusing on yourself, prioritizing yourself, actually, you start attracting the right people and the right opportunity. So I would say, yeah, that, that, that would be like the my latest favorite quote. Mm, okay, perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> it, was a, it was an amazing podcast episode and we touched upon different important topics that can hopefully improve other people's lives. And you also inspired the younger generation to do their project, to be their change maker and to learn from their books, from their podcast episodes, from their surroundings and apply it in their life. So thank you so much for finding a time and joining us on this episode. It was, it was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Femas Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, such as Spotify and iTunes. Thank you for always supporting us. Enjoy your day.